Well, hello there, and welcome back to Seed Stories. On this program, we showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world. I'm Zeke Greenside, and I'm here today with Emily Reno, a full-time graduate student in urban and regional planning at the University of Minnesota. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad you're here too. Could you tell our audience a little bit about our collaboration and partnership? Well, um, my involvement with North Circle Seeds started last summer. Um, I was hired as a research assistant through the Regional Sustainable Development Partnerships, um, basically to send out a survey to farmers across the state of Minnesota and really the upper Midwest in general to get a better sense of people's preferences for purchasing vegetable seeds. And then I used that information to help develop um, a marketing strategy. And so moving into the fall semester, um, I've been working with Zach to sort of focus more on the storytelling side of things, um, just understanding more about people's experiences with saving seed and helping with the podcast production. So on the show, we usually talk about a different seed variety each week, but this week, this is a special episode. We're going to be talking about the equity of our food and seed systems. So we took our microphone and we traveled to the Food Justice Summit, and we went with the intention of collecting stories that people uh, might have found interesting, kind of like we do on the show, but um, the focus is more about on uh, food and seed systems. So I'm curious to know more about like the history of the Food Justice Summit. What exactly is that and why was it different this year than previous years? So the Food Justice Summit this year, that name changed. It used to be the Food Access Summit. From last year and before that, it's been mainly a University of Minnesota event where mostly University of Minnesota staff would attend. Um, so mostly white, um, not a lot of people of color in the management of the event. So this year was different. Um, there were a lot more people of color making decisions on um, content and speakers and themes and every level of the event. There was a little bit more mindfulness going into the actual planning of the event this year. And that changed the name to the Food Justice Summit because I thought that reflected what we were trying to do. I think my biggest takeaway from this transition to the food like food access versus food justice is that they were kind of looking at what are some of the structural barriers that are in place for people to access food and not necessarily thinking about how is one person you know getting from point a to point b sort of focusing more on yeah that access is just kind of like yeah some of the more structural barriers so we set ourselves up at the event with a table and some information about what we were doing and talking to people. Emily had the microphone and you were talking to a few folks about um, food systems and people that were growing seeds. How did that go? I thought it went really well. I was impressed by how many people had really cool stories about just what they're doing um, in the Twin Cities and elsewhere across the state. Um, It's really cool to see how like seed system, seed sustainability kind of comes into play in a variety of different types of work and so it was really cool to see like how does that play out in everybody's professions and and how are they thinking critically about the seed as part of their job yeah i was also surprised how many people are just willing to 
talk in front of a microphone to strangers about seeds. I think it kind of plays to that. A lot of people are just really passionate about our food system and just really willing to share their perspective and know the importance of that and know the importance that everybody's got something unique to say. So let's listen to some of these interviews and what people talked about. Sounds great. So instead of looking at systems of food production everywhere from the farmers to the distributors to the consumers, in terms of one's ability to access it, there were more critical conversations happening about the power and structural inequities in our communities that enable some people to have easier access to food than others. The first attendee I had the pleasure of speaking with uh, is Jenny Breen, who I actually know from our involvement in the Metro Food Access Network. Jenny is a culinary nutrition educator who teaches classes at the University of Minnesota and also does a lot of independent consulting in healthcare and food spaces. Some of her favorite things to grow are greens, including three different varieties of kale, um, collard greens, chard, and broccoli. So Jenny, what do you believe is the relationship between a sustainable seed supply and our food system? I think a lot of food justice and just sustainability and regeneration and systems thinking at all is thinking more upstream and part of why we are in the mess that we're in is that we haven't done that and so we have all of these consequences that now can only be fixed by you know with band-aids because we're not preventing them and so I think honestly seed saving is a form of prevention because it is getting upstream so that we are in control of the production of our food rather than waiting for our food to be produced and then trying to respond to what's available. You know, the more we can control our food supply, like you said, and, and production and sort of the, the precursor to the, the cooking and eating, the more I'm guessing the more success and the more health and wellness we'll have with the cooking and eating because we wouldn't choose to produce crap. And also just again sort of making that connection and knowing where our food comes from and that it comes from the earth and from seeds. Um, Linda Black Elk did the food, the foraging tour yesterday and one of the things she said that was so powerful is you you don't know where you come from if you don't know the plants that grow where you come from and i was like wow that's really powerful because most of us don't right and most of us even if you know even not even just the you know, medicinal plants but just food like we, most people don't even know what food grows or is native or indigenous to where they are, mm-hmm. um, or that there is even local food systems. Right. So I think that just in general, we need to be more connected. It's clear from Jenny that she's a big proponent of food skills, including the planning, growing, and procurement of food, and instilling them in the healthcare space. Representing a slightly different perspective is A.J. Zozulin, who works as a greenhouse and garden specialist for Youth Farm in Minneapolis, where he manages six gardens and a greenhouse in St. Paul and designs youth programming. He describes the worth of Youth Farm as using food as a tool for youth development. For A.J., seed saving isn't just a strategy to build climate resiliency, but a way to save money. Uh, I read a book called The Manual of Seed Saving. Just kind of started with tomatoes, found that I could 
get a ton of seeds for very little effort and uh, kind of just went from there. And now I'm really into it because it saves money for my greenhouse budget. We have about $1,800 a year for the greenhouse. It's a 24 foot square and we grow about uh, eight to 10,000 seedlings in that space every spring. And so I'm spending $1,000 on seeds every year. And turns out that in my home garden, I can save from five calendula flowers more calendula than I could ever use in a year and save like 30 bucks on calendula seeds from four plants. So that's wild. We have this phrase that we use at Youth Farm. Uh, we say our programming is seed to plate programming so uh, you know you think about eating food and you have to that's great and all but all of that food comes from a seed and you have to start there and uh, that's our cycle we start our seeds in February and we watch them grow the whole year and by the end of the summer we're eating those seeds and and replenishing that so it's sort of where the cycle starts and ends as climate change starts to affect uh, I mean it's already affecting our climate but as it gets more severe you know, the, your variety that did really well one year, if you save seeds from that, then you have a better shot or better knowledge that it's gonna survive the next year. And every year that variety will adapt and adapt and adapt and hopefully adapt with you through climate change instead of buying these stale varieties. We're lucky to have like really good seed companies around here that are doing great work. Um, but even still, you know, it could become hard to drive 100, 200 miles to get those seeds. And so building local seed banks gives you control over your food. The organization I work for, Youth Farm, we're, um, we do really neighborhood-based work. So uh, we support young people in Frogtown and the west side of St. Paul and North Minneapolis. Uh, and we uh, really try to work with young people from that community, specific, those communities specifically. Uh, so if you live there, uh, if you know young people that live there, uh, look up Youth Farm. You can find me, I'm AJ, at youthfarmmn.org. Um, reach out to me if you're interested in seeds and you live in St. Paul, Minneapolis. I'm happy to trade. And kind of on the side, I'm, I'm really interested in um, using food rescue, food waste, uh, food preservation, uh, breaking down hierarchies and collectivism and cooperatives. So if any of those things interest you, uh, I'd, I'd love to talk to you. That was AJ Zuzulin from the Youth Farm in Minneapolis. And now with us is another passionate Minnesota seed saver, Kelly Ray Kirkpatrick. Hi, my name is Kelly Ray Kirkpatrick and I started the Plant a Seed initiative in October of 2017. I'm also co-founder of the Seed Library at the Rochester Public Library and I believe very strongly in food justice because food is vital for all of us. So with our seed library at the public library, we were able to move about 9,500 packages of seed this season when we just opened on March 2nd of 2019 and our library closed on August 17th because at that point, um, you know, it was a little too late to be starting anything. We should have gotten those colder late season brassicas in by the first week of August. But we encourage the patrons of the library who check out seeds to save them. And what we do is offer in April 
uh, before before gardening season really um, cranks up. And then in September and October, we offer seed-saving workshops. We teach isolation techniques. We teach about pollination. Um, all of the seeds in our seed library are open-pollinated because we're really trying to increase the biodiversity that's been lost um, in the last hundred years uh, because of the way the seed trade has changed. So seed-saving is something that we're really trying to push. Library patrons are awesomely interested in checking out seeds, but as you probably guessed, the seed saving is not is is not happening um, at the rate we sort of hoped it would. But we're not giving up, and it's just the first season. But our, we're committed to the sustainability of our program. But ultimately, the goal would be for the seed library to become completely self-sustaining. And as a master gardener in Olmsted County, um, an extension volunteer. I'm going to be leading up the local food and clean water portion for um, the Extension Master Gardener um, program. And I see open pollinated seeds, seed saving, and local food as something that's really important. And having a driver from an agency like University of Minnesota, I, I think we're going to be able to ramp it up more and, and that we can get some master gardeners to grow specific varieties. And we will be able to have our whole seed library, all 44 varieties. Um, contributed to instead of purchasing seeds by saved seeds. I just think seed saving is really really critical to the future of food. I think it's critical to the future of the future of food security. I think there's many many stories that go into each seed that's planted and I think that you know North Circle Seeds is a huge contributor to what can be done on a regional level to just really foster the knowledge of seed saving and getting open pollinated seeds out to people to just increase our knowledge of where our food comes from and how important food is. So it's pretty clear from these interviews that building a better food system can be done through many different avenues and that taking a more holistic approach to the way that we work can be beneficial for everyone involved, whether working with youth to grow food, saving seed from food donations, or starting a seed library. I hope that you enjoyed learning about the amazing seed keepers in Minnesota and the awesome work that they're up to. Support for this podcast episode comes from the Northwest and Northeast Regional Sustainable Development Partnerships Regions, or RSDP. The Regional Sustainable Development Partnerships gives communities in greater Minnesota access to the University of Minnesota to help solve problems and take advantage of new opportunities. As part of the University of Minnesota Extension, RSDP brings together local talent and resources with University of Minnesota knowledge and seed funding to drive sustainability in four areas, agriculture and food systems, tourism and resilient communities, natural resources, and clean energy. Well, thanks so much, Emily, for working with us at North Circle Seeds. Uh, we are better for it. Thank you. It has been a really, really cool opportunity to get involved, and I'm excited to see where, where it all goes. Well, thanks. That's it for this episode. Don't forget. It all starts with, with the, the seed. seed. <laughs> <laughs>